Thank you for joining us today on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited that you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our series, Rhythms of Grace. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Amen. Well, good morning, Hope Church. As you take your seats, go ahead and grab your Bibles, grab your apps, get it open to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we will be there in just a little while, but I wanna start with a story you may have heard. Goes back to the summer of 1961. Summer of 1961, the Green Bay Packers went to training camp. Coming up, okay, Green Bay Packers fans in the house, calm down, calm down. They went to training camp coming off of a heartbreaking fourth quarter loss in the NFL championship where they had the lead going into the fourth quarter but lost the lead and the NFL championship to the Philadelphia Eagles, which makes every Cowboy fan sick to their stomach. So they came back to training camp in 1961, fired up, because they had all off season to mourn and grieve and to think about every single play and what they could have done differently. And so you better believe when they showed up in the summer of 1961, the Green Bay Packers were ready They were ready to pick up right where they left off to finish the job that they started in the previous season. And they were ready to pick up where they left off and win the championship that year. So they were, of course, surprised when they showed up to training camp and their legendary coach, Vince Lombardi, simply grabbed this thing right here and said, gentlemen, this is a football. And he began to talk to them as if they'd never played the game. They actually were told to turn to page one of the playbook. The legend goes that they continued to to run these drills like they've never played the game, the fundamental blocking drills and tackling drills to the point where at some point one of the players said, Coach Lombardi, why are we doing this? I mean, after all, we are professionals at this thing. He was teaching basic fundamentals to the people that were just points away from being the best at the world at what they did. But he stuck to it. He simply smiled and said, we're gonna continue to do what I tell you to do. And he continued to teach them the basics and the fundamentals to the point where that season, many of you know the story, they went back to the NFL championship and they won 37 to zero. In fact, they won five of the next seven NFL championships, and Vince Lombardi never lost another playoff game in his entire career. And it all started when he drew his team's attention back to the basics of the game. The focus on the fundamentals was essential for success. For the last five weeks as a church family, We've been opening to the playbook, if you will, to the first plays of Jesus followers. We've been intentionally bringing our attention back to the basics of the game. I believe there's a lot of Christians that feel like they are losing out in the game spiritually. And maybe we could take a play from Vince Lombardi and realize that the focus on the fundamentals is actually essential for our success. We've been in a series, if you haven't been following, called Rhythms of Grace, 
practicing the way of Jesus in everyday life. We made a resource page available. We'd implored you every single week. We don't want these just to be sermons on Sunday or Thursday. We really desire to be a church that, church that is practicing the way of Jesus. So if you haven't logged on to that website, there's tons of resources for you to continue to, to allow these rhythms of grace to start to change you. That's what we've been saying these are. These are ways for us as Jesus followers to grow. As we abide in Christ, we are told to train ourselves for godliness. So these rhythms of grace have historically been called the spiritual disciplines or practices, ways that we train. We've been saying these rhythms of grace or habits or practices based on the life and teaching of Jesus that create time and space for Jesus followers to be transformed by God. So we've looked at practices and rhythms like prayer and silence and solitude. I hope you've been able to incorporate that in your life in some way, shape, or form. We've looked at the practice of what it means to read God's word and let the truth of God speak to us and change us. The practice of Sabbath and fasting. And we've said over and over and over again on purpose because we can never say it too much because we never want to forget that these practices are not the goal. They are means to a greater goal, which is a deeper abiding relationship with God. So we are ending this series today, but we are not ending this conversation. I hope over the next years and years and years, this idea of practices and rhythms in the life of our church are a constant conversation. But we've been saying something verbally that I wanna go ahead and put on the screen for our time together this morning. Rhythms of grace or spiritual practices are ways that we arrange our lives in such a way where we create time and space to abide in Christ and be transformed by the Spirit. As we close this series out today, I want us to press into this idea that's highlighted of how we arrange our lives to see this actually happen, to be transformed by God as we abide in Christ. A man named Dallas Willard Incredible man who's now in heaven. He talked about this idea of being transformed over time by the Spirit, and he called it spiritual formation. Now, he did not coin that term, but he was one of the men that God used at the last half of last century to really press this into the forefront of our thinking. And there's a reason for that, is because this is not just an, an on-the-side, varsity-level type Christianity. In fact, this is essential. This is, as Vince Lombardi said, the basics, the fundamentals that are essential for success. In fact, Dallas Willard had this quote that I think is helpful for us today. He said, if we do not make formation in Christ the priority, then we're going to keep on producing Christians that are indistinguishable in their character from many non-Christians. This is a very important conversation for us to have and have had in the last Six weeks. So today on the table for us to discuss, how do we arrange our lives in such a way to create time and space to abide in Christ and be transformed by the Spirit? I want to begin that conversation by asking you to think about a question. And the question is, how have you become the person that you are today? 
We come in here, lots of people at the 1030 service. I want you to think about how have you, how have you become that person? What has made you the person that you are? And of course, there are many things that we can add to that conversation. Before our time together this morning, I want to give you at the most basic level three ways that I believe our lives are a product of. Three things that they're a product of. Here's the first one. We are a product of what God has done in our lives. And I, I say that to the room full of people that I know not every person believes or follows God. And even if you don't believe in him, you are still a product of what he's done in your life. Let me remind you, he is a sovereign God who has created everything we know, including us, and we are breathing his air on a daily basis. The fact that you walked in here is because God gave you the ability, and so you are a product of what he's done in your life, even if you don't wanna give him glory for it. We are all a product. Every human being is a product of what God is doing in their lives. There's so many ways that we have experienced his common grace it's an expression used towards every sunset you see that you think is pretty, every good steak you eat. This is all common grace. Whether you follow Jesus or not, you are being changed by the things he does in your life. But it's not just what God has done in our lives. We are also products of what other people have done in our lives. We come into this room with maybe decades of experience or maybe just a decade and a half or so, and teenagers in the room, but still shaped and molded and are products of what other people have done in our lives, good and bad and everything in between. We are products of what other people have done in our lives. But it's not just what God has done and it's not just what other people have done. What I wanna focus on today is we are all products of our habits. Our habits, Hope Church, are forming us. Like it or not, the things you lean into, the things you focus on, the things you spend time on, all of those habits, those regular healthy habits or unhealthy habits or whatever they may be, they are doing something to you. They are actually creating you into a type of person. That's what we've been trying to teach in this series that there is formation with repetition. What does that mean? The more you do something, the more you become a person like that. Unhealthy habits, you start to become a person who is a product of those unhealthy habits. Healthy habits, rhythms of grace, that's what we've been trying to, to zero in on in this series. What you practice or your habits are forming you into something. And it is foolishness for us to stick our head in the sand and act like that is not happening in every single one of our lives. So we're trying to wave the flag to say, let's be shaped and formed by what the playbook says and go back to the fundamentals of how we were taught to live out this following Jesus. The things we do, do something to us. I'll put it this way on the screen. First, we make our choices, and then our choices make us. The sooner we realize that is happening, the better suited we are to see what God desires to do in our lives. The question is not whether or not you are being formed. The question is, what are you being formed into? There's a business principle we discussed a few weeks ago that I think bears repeating. You've heard this principle. It's a very good principle in your area of business or, or, or whatever area of field you are, stay-at-home moms, everyone in between. This is a great area, a great principle for every area of life, but even spiritually, we could learn from this. Here's the principle. You've probably heard it. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results 
it's getting. You can lay that down in your business, in your family, in your spiritual life. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it's getting. And here's the question I want us to wrestle with today at the 1030 service. Are you satisfied with the results you are currently getting from the system that is your life? Want to not stick our heads in the sand. We want to say, how am, I, how am I producing in my life? What am I becoming in my life? Because the system I have in my life is perfectly designed to give me those results. So are you satisfied? As a follower of Jesus, does your current life's system create time and space to abide in Christ and be transformed by him? If you would say to that, question. I don't think it is. Today is the day I want us to lean in to do the hard work of understanding we can change that. And I believe God actually desires for us to change that. I quoted author Klein Snodgrass at the beginning of this series. I'll do it again as we enter into today. People often complain that they are not who they should be, but they take no action to change. Today's a day I'm imploring us by the Spirit. If you are not satisfied with the system that is your life and the results that it's producing, we can, by God's grace, rearrange our lives to see more of what he desires to do in and through them. That's where we're headed today. That's what I want to give you in our sermon in a sentence. Here's the big idea for today. There is a way to arrange our lives around abiding in Christ that will result in us bearing much fruit and being transformed. So I wanna focus on for the remainder of our time, and to do that, I wanna draw our attention back to a foundational verse for followers of Jesus, a foundational verse for us as a church for 22 years, and a foundational verse for this series. I wanna start today in John chapter 15, verse five. Hopefully you have your Bible open there on your app or your lap. John 15, verse 5. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to break this very familiar to some of you years and years. You've heard that taught here at Hope Church. I want to break that very foundational verse down Vince Lombardi style. Let's go back to the basics and, and learn some fundamental realities that will help us in our formation. So here's the first reality I want to look at today. Jesus is divine. We are the branches. I didn't hear a lot of amens there. I know some of you are thinking, wow, Scott, how long did it take you to come up with that phrase right there? <laughs> it's right there in the verse. I'm telling you, fundamentals. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Let's unpack that a little bit. What's the vine? The vine is where the life is. The vine is, is the source. The branch has no power or no life apart from being connected to the vine. The branch cannot do anything if it is not connected to the vine or the source. I wanna actually illustrate this today by using actual branches. How about this? I went out on Thursday and I got this from my backyard. Clearly, a dead branch 
not bearing fruit, not looking alive, because it is not alive. It is disconnected from the source, and it is dead. And this morning at 7 a.m. before I got here, I went and I took the cutters, sorry to my wife, and I cut this off our tree in our front yard. I had another one that I had on Thursday, and it was dead because only after two days of being disconnected from the source, it was really sad looking. So I had to get another one. Why? Because as soon as you cut it off from the source, it begins to die. Even in the couple hours since 7 a.m. when I cut this, the, the leaves are already starting to wither. I want you to see, this is what Jesus would have done. In John 15, when he's walking with his disciples, he would have maybe grabbed some actual objects like this and said, here, boys, this is who you are apart from me. You are dead and useless unless you are connected to the source, which is me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But in me, as you see, this vine is producing leaves and green and, and, and fruit. See, the theological term for this that we find all over the New Testament is union with Christ. As we are connected to the source, we are united with Christ. In fact, over 240 times in the New Testament, the writers wanna continue to remind us of what Jesus said in John 15, that he is the vine and we are the branches. We can do nothing if we are not in him and him in us. And so all throughout the New Testament, we hear about this idea of union with Christ, Christ in us, us in Christ, us being connected to our only hope, which is him. 240 times, and when I first learned about this theological reality of union with Christ, I, I was just over 18 years old. I'd just given my life to Christ a year earlier, and, and I loved the idea so much, I never wanted to forget it, that I actually got it tattooed on my wrist soon after I turned 18 years old. And there's 240 references to us being in Christ and him and us, but I love Galatians chapter two, verse 20, the best. So I got it tattooed on my wrist so I would never forget it. No matter my performance, the highs, the lows, the in-betweens, I would never forget because of what Jesus did for me. He is in me and I am in him to the point where I'll never forget that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but here it is, Christ who lives in me. I'm connected to the vine. In a life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is one of 240 times in the New Testament we are constantly reminded that we are nothing apart from the source. I need to say this because we need to correct some bad theology that some of us believe. Jesus is not our co-pilot, Hope Church. Jesus is not our passenger in this life. He is our life. Apart from him, we are a dead branch bearing no fruit or transformation. But through him, connected to the source, we bear fruit and are changed and transformed. See, if you're like me, sometimes I don't like that idea. I wanna be my own God. I wanna do my own thing. And come on, I like Jesus. I just wanna sprinkle him in my life a little bit, but I don't want him to be all of my life, my only source of hope and usefulness. But that's the reality, and that's actually a good place to be. It's by Warren Wearsby said it this way, the sooner we as believers discover that we are but branches, the better we will relate to the Lord. For we will know our own weakness and confess our need for his strength. And here's the good news. His strength is always available in our weakness. This is the good news of understanding our place. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. 
Here's another foundational reality. We abide in him, we bear fruit. As we abide in him, we bear fruit. That's what the next part of the verse says. Look at it. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. This word abide is a beautiful word. It means to to remain or to stay, to hang on to, to make our dwelling in. Just like this branch, because before 7 a.m. it was remaining in the vine, remaining in the source before I cut it off, it was in and making its home with the source, the vine, the life. And so what was the fruit of that? The fruit of that was these beautiful leaves and the green and the flowers. The flowers are the fruit of this tree. As it remains, it is bearing fruit. Don't miss this. As followers of Jesus, we do not produce fruit. We bear fruit. And those are different. Producing fruit means I'm the source. I'm the one producing it. Bearing it means I'm simply letting it show itself in my life. These branches right here, these little, these little small branches off the bigger branch, they aren't working hard to produce these beautiful purple flowers. They're simply existing as a part of the vine, connected, remaining, abiding in, and because of that, the life of the vine is being pressed out through the branches. This is what we are called to do. In fact, that's the definition of what fruit is. For years, we've used this definition here at Hope. What is fruit? The life of the vine being pressed out through the branches. That's not a spiritual definition. You go to an apple tree, you're going to see apples coming out of the the branches. Why? Because that's what the life of the vine is producing and the branches are simply bearing. That's how fruit is born on a tree and that's how fruit is born in our lives. As we stay abiding As we press into our union with Christ, I'm being changed and and there's evidence of that change popping out of my life. And hear this, if there's not evidence popping out in my life, something is wrong. This is not an element of the Christian life. This is the Christian life. In fact, it's how he designed it. From the very beginning, God designed, not that he would just save us and we would do our own thing and sprinkle a little Jesus on on the side. He designed it to where he would save us and we would be his, he would be our life. His life would be pressed out through us. Look at it in Romans chapter eight, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Don't get confused. You're scared of those passages. We're gonna, un- we're, gonna, we're gonna press into that because it's not a place to be confused. It's a place to be comforted. This word conformed, it means to, to make look like. So he's doing something in us, Hope Church. He's making us look like him. It comes from the word, we get our English word morph, which literally means to, to change, to transform. Hear this. God predestined you to be transformed. You say, oh man, I don't know about that word. What's that word mean? Listen, that word predestined, don't be confused or scared by it. Take comfort in it, child of God. What it means is from the beginning of time, before time began, before the foundation of the world, God and his sovereignty set his heart on you, Jesus follower. And he set his heart on you that he would save you. But sin separated us from our good and holy God. So what did he do? He sent his son down into the world to to live a sinless life. Die on the cross, a gruesome death, taking on my sin and your sin. Three days later, rise victoriously to a point where at some point you heard the gospel. 
and you accepted the free gift of salvation that was given to you in Christ, but you just stamped what he had already preordained before you were even thought of. And now he's at work in your life, not to make you his co-pilot. Not so he would just be an accessory that you would jump on and call in the middle of a crisis. Why? So that in the main, in every single moment of your life, he would be at work conforming you, transforming you, being at work in your life. What? Making you look more like him. He is our life. He predestined your transformation, and that is a great place to be, Hope Church. And because of what he did, I want you to hear this. That's not something that will happen. It's something that should be happening now. It's something that should be happening. Hear this. In the life of every follower of Jesus. Look at how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians. And we all, all followers of Jesus, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Pause right there. What on earth does that mean? See, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, there was a separation between us and God. We could not go into that most holy place. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he said on the cross, it is finished. And the veil was torn. And, and, and in that moment, we now have access by the blood of Jesus to a holy God, despite how unholy we are. Because our righteousness is not of our own. Our righteousness is of Christ. So now we, every we, Jesus follower, that's we. No matter how your week looked, no matter how good you think you're performing, we boldly approach with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Why? We are being transformed into the same image. What's that? The image of his son, Romans 8, 28. From one degree of glory to another. That's important. We're going to come back to that. We're being transformed, Jesus follower, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Here's where I want us to rest for just a moment. The question you got to wrestle with, Jesus follower. Are you being transformed? We just saw from the beginning of time, before the foundation of the earth, that was his plan for you. Even now, because of what Jesus has done, boldly, we can approach the throne. Why? So that we would be transformed. The question is, he's done all the work. Are you being transformed? If the answer to the question is no. Next question, are, are you abiding? Are you abiding in the vine? And then the question you gotta ask yourself if you really wanna wrestle this to the ground is, if all of those questions are no, are you in Christ? Are you actually united with Christ? In this series, we've been giving us tons of different ways to incorporate rhythms into our lives, to create time and space for us as followers of Jesus to be transformed by God. Because transformation is expected in the life of a Jesus follower. But I love, look back at that verse, 2 Corinthians 3. Notice it doesn't say transformed instantly. Anybody else want to say praise God for that? Because <laughs> if it said transformed instantly, I'd be in trouble. I love that it doesn't say transformed instantly, meaning I don't give my life to Christ at a summer camp like a bunch of students just did this last week, and all of a sudden I look like Jesus. No. And praise God, because that's not how it's been in my story. How has it been in my story? One degree of glory 
by one degree of glory, by one degree of glory. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Slow. I'll say it to you a thousand times because I need to remind myself every time I say it. Sanctification, this idea of looking more and more like Jesus by his grace, sanctification is a process. I can't tell you how many times in the end of a day I've sat down and said, God, thank you that sanctification is a process because I don't feel very sanctified right now. You need to remind yourself of the gospel reality that just because it was a bad day doesn't mean you have to do something to try to earn God's good graces. He's already at work in you, Jesus follower, by one degree of glory to another. One degree of glory to another. I just mentioned this last week, the student team had asked me to, to speak at camp. It was a privilege, 20 years to the, to the summer that I gave my life to Christ at a summer camp. I got to speak to students at a summer camp. And I remember like it was yesterday when, when the preacher guy shared the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for me in my place. And he asked, like I asked students on Tuesday night, if you wanna receive that, he's done all the work. If you wanna receive that free gift of salvation, I want you to stand up on the count of three. And I remember, I didn't have all my questions answered. I was a punk rock skateboarding 16-year-old kid and I just knew that was for me. And I stood up that day and I'm just telling you, 20 years later, I've seen one degree of glory to another work itself out, not by my power, but by his grace. And, and at camp, at camp, I asked the same question because he's the same God who works the same way and saves with the same grace. And 34 students stood up boldly in front of their peers and said, I wanna follow Jesus. Amen. I was emotional. <laughs> I finished the message. The worship team led so well and I went straight to the back. I got on my knees and I fell on my face and I was praising God because here's what I know that those 34 students don't know yet. I know what he's about to do in their lives. I know what it looks like, highs and lows, everything in between, good, bad, ugly. I know, and I'm asking the Lord to help them stay connected to the vine because I have not done it perfectly, but by your grace, I'm looking 20 years in the past and saying I could have never imagined what you did, but I know what you do because you promised it in Philippians 1.6 when you say he who began a good work in you, Scott Worthington, and every Jesus follower in the world, he will bring it to completion. And I'm praying for those students even now, if you have one of those students in your house, just pray for them. These first few weeks are really awkward because you're trying to live out a new creation that you don't really feel yet. But I'm looking 20 years later, and what am I seeing? One degree of glory by one degree of glory by one degree of glory. Listen, Hope Church, one degree by one degree by one degree over the span of 10 to 20 years will make you unrecognizable from who you are today. And that's how he's designed it. Not just in our lives, but in creation. I'll prove it to you. Go out, plant an apple tree, and then just sit there and watch for the apples. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Why? Because even creation grows at one degree of glory to another. You can't just watch apples pop out of an apple tree. Why? Because there's a process that's happening under the dirt. There's a process that's happening through the life of the vine that is eventually, over time, going to produce apples. How does that happen in the life of Jesus follower? What John 15 just told us is it happens by abiding, hanging on. It's abiding, but it's also arranging our lives in such a way where that abiding can produce fruit. I love how Pastor Matt Chandler in Dallas, Texas said it. He said, transformation happens in our lives incrementally with occasional breakthrough. That's a good quote, but it kind of bothers me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why? I want all the time breakthrough. 
That's how I wish it was. But in God's grace, he's chosen not to do it that way. God works through occasional breakthroughs, but mainly through incremental change. I've seen this in my own kids' lives. I had two of my own kids at student camp this week. Like, I'm like kind of blowing my mind. I, like, I, I, it could have been yesterday that I just put them to bed in frozen pajamas and cars pajamas. And next thing I know, they're walking downstairs looking like little men and women going to camp, thinking, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Incremental change over time that was imperceptible to me, but it was real. They were literally changing before my eyes and I couldn't see it. And it was incremental. What was that? One degree of glory to another. Here's what I love you too much not to say, Hope Church. It may be very, very slow. In fact, it probably will be. Incremental change with occasional breakthrough. But if you are showing me somebody who's been saying, I've been following Jesus for 20 years, and there's zero evidence of fruit from the vine being pressed out through the branches. Something is wrong. Somebody invited you over to their house and said, hey, I want you to look at my orange tree. Something's wrong with it, I think. It's been sitting here for 25 years and not one time has it ever produced fruit. What would you say? Something is wrong with the tree. The problem is we, we fill churches every single week continuing to to encourage people that they're doing all right. It's okay, God's gracious. He is gracious, but he is also at work in you if you are really connected to the vine. I wanna always remind you, you can find no evidence in this book for people that have met Jesus and remain unchanged. It may be slow, it may be gritty, but over time, incrementally, there will be fruit. There will be evidence of his life through you. Or the question you have to wrestle with is, are you in Christ? Because I believe the American evangelical lie that we are all a part of is that there's a bunch of people that sit in churches every single week, but they are not in Christ. And maybe they need to realize by the grace of God and let the, the word of God bear weight on their lives today to say, maybe I need to, to really receive Christ for the first time and understand there'll be evidence of him in my life moment by moment as I abide in him incrementally over time. So we said today we gotta talk about a way to arrange our lives around abiding in Christ that will result in us bearing much fruit and being transformed. That's what I wanna talk about for the remainder of our time. How do we do that? If you're leaning in saying, I'm ready. I'm working on how to arrange my life. Show me how to do it. Well, one of the ways, and it's just one way, that Christians over the centuries have been striving by God's grace to allow this to happen in their lives, to, to arrange their lives in such a way has been historically called a, a rule of life. A rule of life. Now, I know that's probably very new language to most of the people in this room but it's not new language to followers of Jesus. The first time we see this pop up is all the way back in the second century. I always wanna remind you, we can learn and should learn from the people that have been doing this a lot longer than us. And a rule of life is something we see all throughout the centuries as a way for people to arrange their lives in such a way to abide in Christ and see him produce fruit. But notice I did not say rules of life. Rule of life actually comes from the Latin word regula, which really means regular, or a way to say it in this series that we're talking about, a rhythm. Scholars say it's, it's actually the word 
that has historically been used to depict a, a trellis. If you know what a trellis is, this is a, a structure that's built to support growth. This speaks right into our verses in John 15 about abiding in Christ. If a vine is to bear the fruit that remains, that, that, is, that is abundant, it needs support, it needs a support structure to, to lift it up and create space for it. This is true in, in, in real life gardening situations. I did some research this week and I found this line that I thought is so helpful for us as followers of Jesus. A rule of life, oh, sorry, a vine without a trellis will bear a fraction of the fruit because it is not supported correctly. I believe there's followers of Jesus who haven't arranged their lives in such a way for what the Lord wants to do in you as you abide to be supported, to thrive. So a rule of life is, over the centuries, a way that Christians have said, this is a trellis. This is a way we're arranging our lives to see the most fruit and transformation possible as we abide in Christ. Cultural commentator, theologian, author, Andy Crouch said it this way. A rule of life is a set of practices to guard our habits and guide our lives. I want you to hear me as we finish up today. This is not a quick fix. In my experience, there's not a lot of quick fixes in the Christian life. <laughs> this is not a life hack for the Christian life. This is a long-term vision. This is us as a church saying, how do we arrange our lives in such a way, not so we can have a better week next week, so that we can have a better life, so that we can see the abiding life of Christ be pressed out through our lives in fruitful ways. This is what this is. So as we bring this series to a close, I wanna to challenge us as a church, you individually as a Jesus follower. What if you were to, in your life, look at what a rule of life or what we're saying, a rhythm of life. What would a, a rhythm of life look like in your life? A way to arrange your life in such a way where you create space for abiding in Christ and you see fruit and transformation be the result. And I wanna free you up for a minute. I'm not asking you to create a bunch of new things in your life. I, I wanna free you up to, to let you know, in case you didn't, you already have a rule of life or a rhythm of life. There's already a set of practices and habits you have that make up your day and your week and your month and maybe your year. There are times and things you do, like me, you probably wake up at the same time every single morning and probably do the same few things that you do every single morning. You get to the office around the same time. You do whatever you do for work around the same way and time. And you look at that over weeks and months and years, and that's your rule of life. I'm not saying to add a bunch of things as followers of Jesus. I'm saying be intentional about the way you live your life that supports abiding and producing fruit. The question, Hope Church, is not do you have a rhythm of life? The question is, do you know what it is? And an even more important question is, do you know what yours currently is doing to you? I'll ask you in this way, and maybe that'll help you kind of frame up your own life. Is the structure of your life supporting or suppressing the fruit that God desires to bear in and through your life? See what I said in the beginning? This is hard work. I'll share in just a moment. I had to wrestle with some of these things several years ago. The question is, the structure of my life supporting or suppressing the fruit that God desires to bear? So that's why we've been 
for five weeks been giving us options, not of new things to do, not of new things to add, but of spiritual rhythms or practices that we see from the life and teaching of Jesus that we should weave into our lives as a way to see him transform us. So prayer, silence and solitude, and reading God's word, and Sabbath, and fasting. This is the playbook for how we're changed. So I'm not saying to add things. I'm saying, have you ever intentionally sat down with your calendar open or your weeks and days and months and years and looked at how it supports your abiding in Christ. Maybe that's the next step for you as a Jesus follower. That's what I did a couple years ago when I was introduced to this idea of rule of life or rhythm of life. And I sat down and I, I praise God over the last couple years by his grace, he's allowed me to, to set up a, a support, a trellis. And hear me, it's not perfect. I'm gonna give you some examples of that right now. But for me, and some of this will be repeat if you were here for the whole series. But for me, my days start pretty much exactly the same every single day. Sunday through Thursday, my alarm clock goes off way earlier than I want it to. 4.30 a.m., my alarm clock's going off. Why that early? Because if I actually wanna walk in some of these rhythms we've talked about, I have to do it before any of my kids are up and some of my kids are early risers. So at 4.30 a.m., I get my coffee and I get my Bible open and it's my time of silence and solitude and reading God's word. It's my God time. Spend some time in God's word. Spend some time praying. Every once in a while, a few days a week, I'll go on prayer walks. It's a way to just set my heart right and get some, some fresh air, praying for people in my life. It's the time that I use to read books to develop me as a husband and father and pastor and leader. Then around seven o'clock, I'll start opening my computer and getting some work done and leading here at Hope Church. And I've structured my calendar, not because I'm just trying to be more productive, but I'm trying to abide better. So I don't try not to do back-to-back -back meetings. I'll do 15 minutes or so in between meetings. Why? It's a way for me to pull away in my office, sometimes put my hands open on my desk and just say, God, I'm a branch today. I'm a branch every day. And I can't do this apart from you. So as before I walk into another meeting with more output and more decisions to be made, I just wanna abide in you right now, even just for 15 minutes. I can't do this, Lord. Apart from you, I'm a branch. So help me. And then I'll go to that meeting. And then for me, I go home around four o'clock. I get a workout in with some friends. And then I go into my house and I start second shift. You dads know what I'm talking about. My wife's been with the kids all day. It's now time for me to enter in and to love my kids and to take them where they need to go and to work with my wife on what the evening needs to look like. And then around 8.30 or 9, I tuck the kids in. I'll try to touch base with my wife for a minute and by God's grace, hopefully be asleep by like 10 or 10.30. And every time I lay my head down on the pillow, I thank God that his love didn't change for me up or down because of how I did that day. Remind myself of the gospel. I'm not trying to perform here. I'm trying to set up a trellis for my weeks. Shared with you a little bit in this series, but... Fasting is Tuesday with my boys. I have three guys that I fast with on Tuesday. Share prayer requests, prayer walk, abstain from food so that I can get a deeper hunger for God and a deeper dependence on him. Not to check a box, it's about abiding. And then Fridays at my house are Sabbath. And full disclosure, sometimes they are a train wreck. This last Friday Sabbath was a fail. <laughs> Didn't work. Kids were acting up. Things were happening. We had to go places we don't normally go. It's not about perfection. It's about saying, God, we're trying to set up a, a trellis so that you can move and work and change us from one degree of glory to another. Do not hear perfection. Hear progress by his grace from one degree of glory to the next. So for us, I, I turn my phone off. 
I know you're like, that's impossible. It's not impossible. I thought it was too. It was like getting off drugs at first, if I'm honest. <laughs> Some of you have been there. It's like you're like, oh my gosh, the world is falling apart. Guess what? When I turn the phone on the next day, the world is not falling apart. I am not as important as I think I am. That's good for my soul every Saturday morning to open it up and realize the world works because I am not God, he is. But it's also good for my soul to take that thing away from me because I don't realize how dependent I am until I turn it off. And then we make pizza on Friday nights and we watch a movie from the 90s or the 2000s because they're just better. And that's how my family Sabbaths and it's not perfect and sometimes it's arguing and fighting and groundings, but it's us saying, God, here's our feeble attempt to do what you called us to do. In our months, I wish I could tell you I have this amazing plan for my month to be abiding, but I just don't. <laughs> In fact, for two years, I've had a plan to, to get one day of a month where I peel away, phone off, journal open, Bible, books for development. And for two years, I've been trying to figure that out, and I'm just here to confess in front of my whole church family, it has not happened. It's a desire of mine, because I know I need something in my monthly rhythms to help me with this. And of course, yearly, we peel away for vacation. My wife and I try to get away for a few days as a way to evaluate how is this thing going as we try to lead these kids towards Jesus? How is this thing going as we are trying to, to live the life of a Jesus follower in 2023 in Las Vegas, Nevada with all the stuff we have going on around us? This is us just peeling away, unplugging to say, God, what do you have for us in the next season? See what I'm saying? This isn't super spiritual, but it's him one degree of glory to another changing me. What would it look like this week, church, to, to look at your weeks, look at your days, look at your months, look at your years, and not add a bunch of stuff, but ask the question of the Lord, is the system of my life currently producing what I want it to do? And more importantly, currently producing what he desires for it to do. One degree of glory to the next. And I'm telling you, one degree over one degree over one degree times 10 to 15 to 20 years will make you unrecognizable from who you are today. This is us incorporating a rhythm of life. Let's never forget as we do the end of the verse, probably the most important part. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus, thank you for those words. They are true. I pray for every person in this room right now. I believe, Holy Spirit, that maybe you are working some things in people's hearts, working some things in people's lives. I thank you for those moments, Lord. In fact, I just wanna, I just wanna ask you to do that. In every follower of Jesus, what is it that they need to take a step in in obedience? God, I pray for the person here today who maybe heard about this reality that apart from you, they can do nothing but through you, with you in them and them in you, there will be fruit. Pray for the person, Lord, that is looking back 20 years and realizing there has been no fruit. God, I pray that you would just convict them and convince them if they are not in Christ, that today you stand ready to adopt them into your family and to save them. Just like those two guys on Thursday night that came down to respond to that call. Maybe there'd be somebody in here that would realize I've been in church, but I've not been in Christ. Only you can reveal that, Lord. Only you can show that. We trust you now as we stand to sing, as we respond in obedience, as we get prayed for by pastors, as we come to this altar. However it is you're leading us to respond, would we walk in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.